1: Are you ready to go offside? Because it's time for the Offside Hockey Talk. Maple Leafs post-game show and podcast live recording. That was a heck of a hockey game. You know what? Uh just before we get going, I want to make sure that I mention our sponsor, Muskoka Spray Foam Insulation. Make sure you visit them at MSFi.ca. James, can you hear me? I can hear you. We are live right this second. Um can I get your thoughts on that Maple Leafs game? There's, uh, there's quite a bit to break down from the game overall, but I'd say in the third period, we were mostly dealing with a, a team that was playing shutdown hockey. What do you think?
0: Um, it was a team that was trying to actually capitalize on having a lead and not blowing it for once. Uh, I'm sorry for the movement, folks. Uh, it's a lot of shifting and moving around here tonight. But um, no, it was a team that was trying to lock it down. Trying to contain the victory they had and make sure that everything went properly. Uh, Doug, I don't know. What do you think?
1: I mean, there was there's certainly a lot to like about that game. Uh, it certainly w- it wasn't perfect. Uh, I mean, th- there was a, a pretty ugly section in the first period there. Uh, again, another game where we didn't get off to the type of start that we need to get off to as uh, to be a competitive playoff team. Um, you know, there were there were things there were there were certainly more positives than negatives i'll certainly say that um i like the way gotier played i like the the uh i like the more being moved up to the marner tavares line and captain and getting out of there that needed to happen uh if we'd been able to go live properly during the second intermission you would have heard me say that they need like babcock needed to do something about that um i i again i'm gonna go back to to gotier today it was really obvious that he was using his size the way he absolutely needs to uh, I thoroughly enjoyed watching him finally seem to like, this is a breakout game for him, into my opinion. I didn't even get any points aside from that. We managed to go all last intermission without even mentioning Morgan Riley getting four points. Uh, that's kind of ridiculous.
0: But don't you just expect that from Morgan Riley? I mean, at this juncture of his career, don't you just expect Morgan Riley to be that dominant player? I mean, it's more a thing to talk about Morgan Riley, not getting points. When he's now getting those points and doing those things like they talked about, he had what, 19 or 15 points last year in October. He's up to nine quickly already, you know, this October. When Morgan Riley's not doing those things, that's the problem. Morgan Riley doing those things really is now, yeah, he should be doing those things. So it's normalcy like Austin awesome Matthews scoring a goal. You'd excited, but it's what awesome Matthews is supposed to do. So now we've just expected the smooth skating, You know, rush, lead the rush, Morgan Riley, get the points from last year. Same thing. We now expect it. But yeah, five points in one night or four points in one night is amazing.
1: Yes, absolutely. The other guy I want to talk about a bit is uh, William Nylander. Um, This is, he's he's steady. He's not leaping and jumping off the, the score sheet at you. He's not, you know, making amazing play after amazing play. But he's playing steady hockey. He's doing little things. One thing that I, I'm thinking of particular is he was uh, down in the in Minnesota's end at one point and he had the puck on his stick and he was up against the boards and he spun out and instantly took a shot at the net. It's a little thing, but just being able to do that, knowing that you're capable of doing it and then actually doing it, that's such a nice combination to see from him. Um, they were steady. His line with Matthews was steady. They don't need to be number one like it's it's great that we basically have two number one lines but they don't need to be number one every single game or even most games when you have Tavares Marner and now apparently more doing th- what they do so well you can afford to be a, a second line type player I'm not saying that you know maybe that's how he wants to play the rest of his career or whatever but there's no Hold nothing wrong with it
0: I'm gonna say this here about William Nylander it's gonna pump the brakes just for a second how many points do you think William Nylander has in uh, six games so far this season?
1: Uh, I'm going to go point per game
0: six, just about a point per game. He has five points so far on this season. So that is not bad. That is projecting to be way better than he did last year and maybe even career highs. So this guy that everybody was so worried about, no need to worry about it. If you look at guys like Jeff Fayette and all them, his carrying the puck and getting into the zone, you know, zone entries and all that good stuff, all that fancy stat stuff. He's doing well in those regards and he is driving play. Some of the stuff he does is Morgan Riley-esque where he carries the puck in, dipsy-doodles, goes around the <laughs> neck, glides around. It's the same thing as Riley.
1: I like I like that you keep, like, okay, Morgan Riley's a defenseman, James. <laughs> He's not supposed to get four no, points in a you know game. What? I,
0: I like the new, <laughs> the new phrase out there for defensemen that are off as dwingers. dwingers. It was coined by, uh, I think, either Craig Button or one of the guys on the TSM broadcast. They're dwingers. They're defensive wingers what they are. Seriously. They yeah. score more points than most wingers do in the NHL.
1: Well, I mean, I, I, I don't remember where Riley was in the point ranking, but I'm pretty sure it was in the top hundred in the league. Don't quote me on that. I'm not sure about that, but yeah, I could I well, could certainly understand where the term's coming from. I mean, especially when you look at some of the moves that like, you know, Tyson Berry has and whoever the other new defenseman we has is escaping my mind. Um, we've got, we've got defensemen that have the moves that have the skating ability that's becoming more and more of a trend i think this goes back into something we've talked about many times in the past on our podcast which is that uh hockey players in general are becoming a bit more homogenized you're seeing less big big burly guys and tall tiny little skinny guys and you're seeing much more middle of the road somewhere between six feet and six foot three about 200 some odd pounds that are just, you know, they're basically 2 A players. Uh, there, there's less, there's less high-skill guys and, and high-intensity guys. Like, you look at John Tavares. Uh, five years ago, this is a guy that you would expect to be one of those skill players that isn't going to go and take hits and grind out in the corners. You can't have guys like that on your team anymore. Mitch Marner is is one of the only guys on the Leafs that I would say really fits that perspective at this point.
0: Uh Yeah, I guess uh, Mitch Marner would be that player. But, you know, I'll give Mitch Marner his dues as well. The guy can take a lick and keep on ticking. Also, he he shows up big on those penalty kills. A lot of people are screaming, especially when he goes down and blocks a shot. He's got the kind of open hand like this when he's going to block the shot. And a lot of people say, you know, you're going to break your hand. You're going to hurt your hand. But you know what? One of the biggest plays against Boston that everybody loved, that his whole entire team rallied around, was that block shot against Boston. I think it was game three when Mitch Marner laid it out on the line. This guy enjoys being a Maple Leaf, enjoys playing for the team. So you know what? He can be that fancy offensively skilled guy that doesn't, you know, go into the corners or whatever. That's what Hyman's there for. That's what Moore's there for. If JT wants to muck it up and go grind a little, feel free. But Mitchie's that guy that dipsy doodles and does all the funny things and stirs the goddamn drink.
1: Absolutely. I'm not I don't want that to be taken as a shot at Mitch Marner. I, it was more just this uh, general commentary on the way Leafs are generally going uh or not Leafs, I'm sorry, hockey players and and the style of hockey players that tend to make the NHL. You see the same thing at junior hockey. You just don't see that many tiny tiny players like I'm going to say even like Wayne Gretzky sized players. That's just less and less common of a thing that's happening. I think we're going to continue to see that trend. Uh it makes a lot more sense when you don't have guys that are given specific responsibilities that everybody has to pick up the slack of all response. Like you don't have someone that's just going to be there to get in fights and be tough and bash guys anymore. Everybody's sort of expected to just be tougher to make up for that. So I think we'll keep seeing that trend emerge. Um, Maybe eventually it'll reach a point where, where you'll see more Mitch Marner's and, and less Tyson Berry's and, uh, and Mick like McCabe's, I think, is a really good example of, of what we're talking about. This is a, a guy that's capable of using his body, uh, is fast, like way faster than a guy that size should be, has hands. Like he literally, he's, he's not like, I wouldn't say he's amazing at any one of those things, but he's pretty good at all of them. And I think we'll see more and more of that emerge. It certainly makes it easier to make your team more well-rounded when you have a few players like that.
0: Before we jump any further into this great, End of game analysis. I want to give a shout out to the fact that the hashtag prediction season video tonight was pretty well damn bang on. Oh, yeah. I just want to say, Freddie Anderson, strong between the pipes, called her, said we had to contain Eric Stahl, who is a leaf killer. We did that. We need to score first. We didn't do that, but Matthew's on the board. JT snapping a slump. I wanted Barry to score and I wanted Soup to get on the board again. Didn't happen, but I'll take 50% of the scores of I, that I picked. That's no problem. That's a pretty good ratio. <laughs> and we scored four goals. So guys, check out hashtag prediction season. It's fun. It gets you amped for the game. I don't get everything right. Sometimes I even mess up the backup goalie who's playing that <laughs> night, but it's still fun to check out. It gets everybody together. Thank you so much for everybody who checks it out. Really makes it worthwhile for me. Thank you all for checking out all of the intermission videos. I wanted to say that because you know what, without you guys, this isn't worthwhile doing you guys make it all the DMS, all the fun stuff, everything, all the text messages. Thank you so much. It's wicked. But tonight we got another victory and it feels good to be four and two and one. But Doug, I want to point something out. I pointed this out on our lovely offside hockey talk Twitter page. When, when, Nick Shore and Dmitro Timoshov are in the lineup. The Leafs are now, I believe, three, zero and one. When they have Spetsa in the lineup, I believe if uh, the record keeps me good, I believe they are either one and two or one and three with those guys in the lineup. So it looks like the winning combination may be Shore and Timoshov. I'm just saying, we all love Spezza. we all love a good story, but the winning combination seems to you, be those two.
1: You do not love Spezza. Don't give me that crap. I know you hey, don't love whoa, whoa. You've been, you've been... I was
0: very excited when he signed, but when you finally get to see a player and what he can do and what he can bring, I've said it a hundred times. Skill wise, pass-wise, he's all there. That's all there. But the speed to keep up with this. Fast Maple Leaf team. You were just talking about Mikhaev, a guy who just came over from Russia, who has breakneck speed. And is a big guy. How fast the GOAT can skate now. All these guys, what do they have in common? They all can move their feet to keep with the play. Spetsa cannot. I don't care what anyone says. He cannot sustain the pace anymore. He has the hands. He can pass. He can dish. He can do all that. The winning combination is now Shore, Timoshev. You can't battle me on that. The record, if we're all looking, if we oh, all are looking at statistics, the statistics point to the fact that it's Shore and Timoshev and Goche for that fourth line right now until Hyman comes back and everybody starts jumping up and down the lineup.
1: Uh, I just, I mean... That was numbers don't lie. Marlow had twenty goals last season, and we still got rid of him. So numbers absolutely do lie. <laughs> I don't. I would be interested in knowing what statistics. Like, I hate to put you on the spot a little bit, but I'm going to because you you're the one that said that there's statistics that support this. Um, give me an idea of some of these statistics you're talking about. Um, I, I just I'm interested in knowing like what what statistical basis you have for this opinion. Uh, I want to know what it is, man. I want to know what it is. Give me, give me something here. You can't just I say that. I just gave this. you
0: the numbers. They have a way above 500 record. That's not. That's Timoshev not. and Shore in the lineup. <laughs> but you're looking. Hang on. When we played Detroit, what was, the, what was the underlying theme against Detroit? It was the bottom six that controlled and won us that game. So that was Gauthier, Shore, Timoshev, Mikheyev, Kerfoot, and more. Those six won us the game, hands down. Without those six, we didn't win. And that fourth line really, really exposed Detroit and really, really did well. Well, so that shows you right there. And if you're going to tell me that you put Spetsa in Patan in there, now I don't know about Patan. I'm just saying I'm focusing, hyper focusing on on the center position with Spetsa. Yeah. If you have Spetsa in there, can he keep the pace that those guys set in Detroit? and that those guys said tonight. I do not think so. Do
1: you think that I if just Spezza don't. was in the lineup tonight, we would have lost? Because I don't think that. I think we would have been fine.
0: Would, would the fourth line have been as effective? The fourth our line penalty, was
1: a non-factor our to penalty penalty though. Doesn't in my opinion. It doesn't
0: matter. You know what? We're not a factor, but you were just saying that Gauthier, we were just talking about in the intermission, beating Dumba to that puck. You're talking about all That's these true. other little things that the fourth line does. Nick Shore going on the penalty kill and winning faceoffs. Goche the other night in Detroit being 7-0 in the dot and Nick Batan being nine, or 7 for 9 in the dot. Those things matter. Spetsas good in the dot too. But again, you put Spetsa in the place on the penalty kill and Center Shore, are the results the same? I don't know. But I'm telling you right now, the winning record indicates Timoshev and Shore are the winning couple.
1: Well, uh, I mean, I'm, I'll admit you got me there, all right? Uh, but I'm not the type of guy that thinks, first of all, I don't think one player will make that big of an impact. Even if that player is Austin Matthews, or John Tavares or Mitch Marner. I don't think one, and I don't think they should. If you're in a situation where Connor one player, Connor
0: freaking McDavid is on the phone and would like to have a word with you, sir, because I'm pretty sure he almost <laughs> drug Edmonton to the playoffs a couple times. Can yeah, we actually by him? Damn. Self. Let's
1: talk about Edmonton right now. Are they still? What is their record? Is that? I thought they were undefeated a couple of days ago or something.
0: I think it's five and one. I do. If I do believe, if you let me pull it up, just to touch on something you did say. Well, I do look that up. Um, patty Marlowe did not have 20 goals last year 18. i'd like you to tell me 16 my friend
1: oh, 16
0: four different saves
1: 16 how 20. Many, how many leaves had less than 16 goals than patrick Marlowe last year i
0: don't know <laughs> that is up to you to tell me because i just told you an answer that's fair tell enough. me one
1: that's fair enough i'll see how fast i can pull that up while i pull up this uh these statistics about the uh the leafs from last season which is, I don't even know if we should even be talking about this anymore, but I don't care. We're on, this is the road we're on now here. Uh, Let's take a look.
0: The Uh, Oilers are five and one. They lost yesterday, three to one to the Chicago Blackhawks. And guess who scored a goal? The reclamation project that is James Neal. Just want to say, sorry, Calgary fans. I can't tell you enough. You cannot spin this any other way. Milan Lucic will never amount to what James Neal is. Now you watch, I say this, and I have James Neal in my fantasy pool (laughs) because he was a a sleeper late round pick and you and Mr. Jensen, you know, Pete Jensen over at the NHL.com both told me, ah, it's going to be a bad pick. I'm saying seven goals ain't bad, boys. And that's all he had last year and he's up to that now. So, sorry, Calgary fans edmonton won that deal and Connor mcdavid may actually have himself a bona fide winger to play with the only problem is they may not have the, the defense or the goaltending to get to the playoffs anyways even if they can score the lights so, out so uh where's your old stataroo there dougie
1: my st- oh, so i i've got it so back to patrick marlowe um he had 16 goals 21 assists so, it's not like he was a non presence, but what I find interesting, and I, this may actually be me kind of changing my mind a little bit, is there aren't a heck of a lot of guys that, were, that had lower number of goals, lower number of points than he did, and are still on the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> like you're talking, like, here, I'll, I'll run down the list real quickly, and you can, t- you can tell Before me. Before you run down sc- the list, no, I, no, no, I no. want you to I want right, you right. tell
0: me one thing about last year. What was the one thing that everybody said about Patrick Marlowe near the end? what went
1: his legs i'm saying it i mean that's what everyone what, said what i, I, I don't agree saying, with it i think what am
0: i saying about Spetsa? i think brains Same are more important
1: i think brains are more important than legs straight up you otherwise
0: up, you can have all the brains in the world if you can't keep up with the play
1: i mean frederick gotier isn't better. very fast and yet he's still in the nhl right
0: the may goat charge is a thing man nah, if you Hashtag, say so. the, the goat is when you beat matthew dumba in a foot race
1: you're doing all right. All right. You're doing all fair right. Enough, fair enough. So, but I just, this is kind of ridiculous. I want to run down this list of players of guys who have less points and right above Marlowe, I'll say is Hyman and Janssen. And the only guy who is, a, who had more points than, uh, than Marlowe, uh, and isn't on the team is Cadre, but everybody else you're talking, Jake Gardner, Connor Brown, William Neelander. We're going to not count. Cause he didn't play half the season. Ron Hainsey, Tyler Ennis, uh, Travis Dermott, jake muzzin uh gotier is literally the only one uh, other than dermot uh then you got zaitsev lindholm uh trevor moore's down there but he only had about 20 games played uh ozaganov with 53 games like these are all guys that are no longer on the team anymore or or alternatively were injured or didn't play that many games so
0: or they're no longer in the nhl yeah, or they're no
1: longer in the nhl so i mean <laughs> your, your point your point is made uh it, but That's I, I you know argument right there i mean oh yeah okay but let's take a look at jason spetz's stats and just see how they stack up we're going to take a direct look at this folks um <clears throat> the past this, two
0: seasons previous to this he's gone on a nosedive uncontrollably for points wise yeah, before that goes, i believe he was up in the 60 60 point range two seasons ago and now he's gone down. I think it was like 27 or 28 points last year. So 16 like and
1: 17. He had 50 points, 15 goals, 35 assists. And then he was 26 points, 27 points the last two seasons. Um, yeah. You know, there's, there's something to that. Uh, the guy is still Jason Spezza. I mean,
0: but our, okay. No, just park with me for a second here. and Let's talk. Do we need a marquee name to sell tickets in this town? No. Do we we need a marquee name to put on the banners to say, come watch us. Jason Spezza plays here. No, we have Austin freaking Matthews for that. We have Willie Nylander, Mitch Marner, Jason Berry, Morgan Riley. Heck, we got the ginger save God himself and Freddie Anderson. You know, we have the star power. Okay. We don't need to draw. We're not a smaller market team that needs to go out and get an older veteran to kind of get people back in the building. We have the star power. If you're bringing in a guy like this, if you're bringing in a vet, you bring in a guy like Patrick Maroon, you bring in a guy like a Wayne Simmons, so sort to of speak, like New Jersey did. I know he's not that old, but that's the ilk you're bringing in. Someone who can keep with the play and someone who brings an element that you don't have. Jason Spetz is known for skill. Jason Spetz is known for being an offensive player on your power play. They don't need that. Now they're trying to transform him into a fourth line checking center who plays in the penalty kill. That's not Jason
1: Spezza. Yeah. It's just a shame because, I mean, I feel like there was a, a spot left by Marlo. Obviously, I'm not in the majority on this, all right? So, apparently, Marlo, uh, Spezza is filling a Marlo-shaped hole that just doesn't exist anywhere except my brain. So,
0: or your heart. Or it, my
1: it, heart. <laughs> Listen, listen. I,
0: I love the fact that we have Jason Spezza on this team as much as you think I don't. I love the fact that he's a Maple Leaf, and I love the fact that he may hang up his skates on this team. But the fact is, when Hyman comes back, he makes it even tougher for you to justify having him in your lineup. And if you're telling me that when they have to do the roster crunch, when Dermot, who looks like he's only a few practices away, by the way, and Zach Hyman make this lineup again, who do you send down? You're going to get rid of Timoshev? And are you going to get rid of Patan? And then you're going to run a line of Moore, Spets, a go Is that going to be your plan? Honestly, uh, I think
1: is think locked in on that top line with, uh, with Tavares until obviously until Hyman gets back.
0: Well, that's what I mean. That's what I'm saying. But when Hyman comes the back, flip side that's of that, the shift.
1: The flip side of that is, do you take, do you disassemble this law? Well, like, okay, this is so premature for me to be saying this, but my question is, do you disassemble a line that has obvious chemistry? Like that line does like, Do you think, so then I guess my question that I'm really asking is, do you think that Hyman Tavares-Marner has better chemistry than uh, Tavares-Marner Moore?
0: Yes. They played together for a full season, and the numbers, again, you look at the numbers, Hyman's not the guy who puts up all the points, but he's the guy that does all the work to get the puck to the right places, or he goes in and and crash-bangs, booms, and the puck pops free. You know, can Trevor Moore do that? Maybe, but is Trevor more more of a wild card than Zach Hyman? Do you already know what you're getting in Zach Hyman? Yes, and it was suggested. I forget who said it on Twitter tonight. Um, it may have been, uh, oh my God, um, may have been Dylan Morrow. I'm not sure who said that, you know, you may see Zach Hyman come back and actually play on that fourth line for a few games to get his legs acclimated and get himself back into game shape, so to speak, which is not a bad idea. But the de facto spot for him, is that first line but here's the caveat to what you're saying trevor moore is the exact kind of player that mike babcock loves so that is a player that definitely could be shifted into that top line role and if hyman for whatever reason struggles maybe he goes up there but i want to say something about Capitan. Capitan wasn't served for that first line role it sucks because he's got the speed maybe he put too much pressure on himself who knows but when you put him on that third line tonight he had two beautiful chances already. I think that's his home. Second or third line, away from the top defensive pairings, top defensive centers. Seems like he can hang there, no problem. And maybe that's what you need, 20 goals from a second or third liner. Take that every day of the week.
1: I mean, chemistry-wise, even statistically-wise, it looks like, even like from a type of player, it looks like he should fit in. One thing that he doesn't do, that Trevor Moore does, that Zach Hyman does is uh, he turns away from plays. Kapanen will go into the corners, but he was not going to take the big hit from the other team's defensemen to make the play. He turns away from them. He tries to avoid them. Uh, there was an ex- excellent example where we had uh, Tavares and Marner set up in front of the net and he had the puck along the sideboards, And rather than take a look at what to do with the puck before moving it. He just fired it towards sort somewhat towards the front of the net without looking. And we turned the puck over and they went down. I think that was actually the three on one that they got, but he, he did that. Uh, He's, he does that a lot. And to me, that's something that he could fix and improve, but we don't need. Kasperi Kapanen to improve that he doesn't need to be that type of player it's like you said if you put him on a lower line and you, you task him with skating around the other team's defenseman uh with with cycling in really quickly to the front of the net where guys can't track him with with putting the moves on the other team as opposed to having to dig the puck out and take hits and stuff he's in a much better position for success we don't need him to do that we do need guys to do that um it's great that we now have Trevor Moore who is showing that he's capable of doing it and willing to do it. And I think that second part is the most important is finding guys who are willing to go into the, into the corners who are willing to take hits to make plays. That's the most important thing to, uh, in, in that position. Um, I'm just going to go back to what I said during the second intermission, you need a tie Domi to play with Matt Sundin sometimes. Um, now that we don't have any Matt, uh, we don't have any tie Ty Domi type players. There's not even that many in the league anymore, but Zach Hyman is a, a decent modern analog to that. Uh Trevor Moore seems to be. Again, this is just one game that we're judging this new combination of. Do you think that we'll see the same line set up for next game? And what, do th- tomorrow? With uh <laughs> with Trevor Moore on the, the first line. And do you think we need some sort of similar shakeup to the uh the Matthews nielander line?
0: Uh you don't need a shake up for the Matthews nielander line. That line is fine. Um, nothing to worry about there at all. I'm not concerned about that line. Never never an issue with that line. Same thing when asked today was Mitch Minor about his line with John Tavares and Casperry and, and He said, there's never a time to worry. Things will come, you know. And the problem with hockey players is we always say it, you know, was last year with Kadri hitting so many posts. It's mental, right? When the puck's not going in, you start putting pressure on yourself. You grip yep. the stick a little tighter. All those cliches, you know, it's all said. Here's the thing. Trevor Moore may get the chance to play on that top line tomorrow night um, against Washington. He should. Um, You don't know. Babcock is a stubborn old goat. Yeah. Um, So he may go back to what he knows and put it back together. And maybe he wants that Mikheyev-Kerfoot-Moore line to be the third line to put some pressure on. Um, Who knows? Uh, Maybe if that first line doesn't start panning out again against Washington, he goes back and puts more up there. I don't know. Uh, I don't got a crystal ball. I also don't know if Spezza and Batan are going to play tomorrow, so we won't know until the morning skate. And the lovely Paul Hendricks, Christian Shelton, or Terry Koshan uh, toss up the lineups for the day and what's going to happen. Um, you know, have, we all could be surprised, and Freddie Anderson could freaking start tomorrow. Night, that's what I was going to say. Know? Is
1: have we have we confirmed that Hutchinson is starting tomorrow? I don't think they yeah, have. Yeah,
0: No, they, they. It's a it's a foregone conclusion. What Babcock does. Um, if we were in a race for a playoff spot and we needed the points desperately down the stretch, I'm sure you'd see Freddie in back to back games. Um, he didn't look like he was overworked tonight, but he made some stellar freaking saves.
1: Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah.
0: You know, when I said in prediction season that Steady Freddie got to be back between the pipes, he definitely was tonight. That one glove save was absolute larceny. That was wicked. But. You know, tomorrow we'll see what it is. We'll see what the lines look like. We'll see what Babcock says to the presser here. Um, something I haven't got to see yet. He may talk about that there and say, you know, this is what's going to happen. Um, you know, we'll check in with some of our guys that we talked to on the leaf speed and see what also might come through and may happen as well. And uh will know no more, Dougie, but I'm saying it'd be pretty cool to have him on the first line, to be honest.
1: I think that uh, just to go back to Frederick Anderson for a second. I think part of what makes him such a good goaltender is how well he reads the play. Um, that might, maybe, that sounds a little obvious, but I'm I'm talking about I'm not just talking about how he can handle the puck. You you point out the glove save, and to me, that's not even his greatest strength. He has a great glove, but it's not his his biggest strength as a goalie. Where he's at his best is reading those cross seam passes and those plays that are those like that three on one where he was, across, he was across the ice before the pass was even on the guy's stick that was going to shoot it. And he had made the save before the guy had even shot it. The guy had nothing to shoot. It. He shot it because he basically, at that point, he has to shoot it. Maybe he'll get a rebound and, and a lucky bounce or something. But Anderson yeah, was freezing. <laughs> yeah, he was so over all over that. That is just ridiculous. Um, When you see Don Cherry talking about, oh, Frederick Anderson's uh, one of the best goalies in the world. That's the stuff he's talking about. Um, You don't need to have the best uh, reactions you don't need to have the best glove. You don't need to have the best rebound control. If you can read the play well and understand what's what's needed and and how to, that is what will truly make you a great goalie. Um, The fact that he has a solid glove to back it up that he has solid rebound control that he's able to play the puck as well as he does the number of times the past two games I've seen the puck go into that no man's land in the corner and him get just so dangerously close to close to playing it there but not playing it there that is so easy to make a mental fart uh, when when you have that type of high intensity play and tiny (coughs) little lines that you're negotiating. So I just wanted to talk about Frederick Anderson. Um, I think I'm going to give him my... We haven't even talked about the three stars of the game. I'm giving Frederick Anderson my first star of the game today. Um, to me, that's. I think that's an obvious pick. Let's do the three stars. Let's do it right now. My my third star of the game is going to be Trevor Moore. The guy stepped up. I don't even think, know if he had a point on either of those stupid uh, bouncy goals that Tavares and Marner knocked in the net. But I'm giving him a point. Uh, I'm giving Morgan Riley a a, a star because... Uh, Four points on on your defenseman and but you know what again, that's not why I'm giving him a star I'm giving him a star because the number of times he went in with the puck and skated around the other The other team's end like two or three times in a circle carrying the puck like that's ridiculous Like that's that stuff is, is almost as important as getting the points because you're controlling the puck you're wasting the clock. You're tiring the other team out. You're setting your own team up for success when you do stuff like that. The fact that you did that and you got four points is ridiculous. My first star, as I already said, is Frederick Anderson. James, hit me with your three stars for today's game.
0: My uh, my third star is going to be, shout out to the fourth line, of uh, Nick Shore and Mr. Uh, Freddie Gauthier and um, Dimitri Timoshev. Um, they're tasked with hard minutes. Containing players, keeping people deep. Uh, this goes back to the Detroit game and this game. Um, I really like what they bring. I like the GOAT speed. You know, I like them jamming up the play, gumming it up, doing little things like that. So the, the fourth line gets my third star. My second star is Morgan Riley. He's been a little bit of a whipping boy this week, um, okay. to put it lightly. Unfortunately, um, you know, he hasn't had the best defensive positioning and you know just gas and stuff like that giving away the puck we've all talked about it things that have happened that aren't morgan riley-esque but you have a game like this and it really brings it out i'm happy for morgan riley and you know there's lots of things to be proud of for what morgan does so the rest of the season i bet you we're going to see the morgan riley we're used to my first star is elia mikhayev hmm. um you know this guy he does so well Okay, you're dressing North American ice. You've, you haven't played the North American brand of hockey, but you're scoring goals, you're finishing checks, you're doing little plays, you're getting pucks in deep, you're breaking up plays, you're doing all of these things that you know aren't expected of a guy who's transitioning into NHL play, let alone starting to play his NHL career on North American ice, smaller ice service, the whole nine shebangs, he does not look out of place, and that goal against Detroit where he turned on the turbo jets. Oh, yeah. Come on, Superman was there for sure. <laughs> that was awesome. So he gets my first star.
1: Cool. I mean, I I, I can... T- I totally... Those are solid picks. I got no problem with any of them. Um, let's talk about the warrior of the game. I feel like maybe I could have gone with... Uh, sure. Uh, I'm sorry, with Trevor Moore. Um, but instead, uh, some people I would think would th- think that Moore... And the guy I'm going to pick should be the other way around that more maybe should have been the warrior. Uh, Cause I don't even know if, like I said, I don't even know if he got a point. I don't care to me. That's not what makes a star, but for the same reason, what makes a warrior to me and my warrior of the game is John Tavares uh, is Tavares came out and had a dog of a first period. All right, straight up. He did not have a very good first period. Uh, It wasn't wasn't as bad as it could have been, uh, but it certainly wasn't good. And he's been having that kind of off, play for like a a little while now. So the fact that he was able to put that aside, was able to step up. Sleepless
0: nights will do that to you. Yeah, no
1: kidding. Fresh baby and a giant pile of turkey will do that as well. And just the fact that he was able to put that aside and make the plays he did, be in the position he needed to be to score those goals, to me that makes makes him a warrior, especially the fact that those goals, again, I think I already said it, they were not high skill goals. They were grindy, grindy goals. When you have a puck that bounces off the back of the boards and then ricochets into the goalie, and you're standing there ready to score, you do not score goals that, like, you don't get lucky unless you're ready to be lucky. And he was ready to be lucky on those plays. That's what if makes If you look warrior. at a lot
0: of the goals that John Tavares scored last year, Dougie, they were from that space, that yeah. office that he has there in front of the net. That's where John Tavares's bread and butter is. Is in close. It's the Jane Van's Reamstack effect, but just with a, you know, a superiorly higher-skilled player,
1: John Tavares. Yeah, absolutely. So uh yeah, he's my pick for warrior of the game. What about you?
0: Well, my pick for warrior of the game, plain and simple, Jake Muzzin. Um, the reason why Jake Muzzin is the warrior of my the game, warrior of the week, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> um, you know, because obviously it's it's a weekly thing. Normally it's a weekly um, thing, yeah. So against Detroit, he scored the goal, through the big hits, blocking shots, you know, grinding out the play, doing all the things. This city is ready to fall in love with a stay at home, minute munching, big hitting defenseman who does it right. And as I've been preaching so far all the season, does a lot of the little things right. Jake Muzzin gets my warrior, my champion, whatever you want to call him, because he does all those things. He blocks the shots and he doesn't, you know, doesn't look for bigger things. He goes and does the right plays, the right times. It's something to be said. To throw a big hit, but at the right time. Making sure you know you have someone covering you because you're going to be taking yourself out of the play when you throw that hit. So blocking shots, you know, leading the offensive charge here and there as well. Jake Muzzin is my Warrior of the Week. Hands down.
1: Well, I you know what? I agree with you. Um, he's a solid pick for Warrior of the Week. Uh, there probably are two or three other guys that could have been Warriors of the game or Warriors of the Week. Uh, but to us... Those are the two guys that uh, stood out the most. If you have your own opinion on who the warrior of the week or the three Star should be, feel free to, uh, to reply to this tweet and let us know. Uh, of course you can reply to this tweet right now. And we will try to fit in some questions. If you have any, uh, we are live at the moment. Um, so if you have any questions, you want to hit us up, you can do it right now. Reply to the tweet and we'll answer um, just uh, while we wait for that to happen. Hopefully someone does that. If not, then uh, whatever, whatever. Whatever. Uh, I want to talk about, uh, you were going on a little bit about uh, what Don Cherry had to say on the weekend about the Maple Leafs, and I believe he said that he didn't think the Leafs were going to be very successful uh, in the playoffs. I'm wondering yep. what, what your take is on that. To me, that was a surprisingly negative comment, and also, I'm not happy that anybody is thinking playoffs seven games into the season, including Don Cherry, but I want to know what your take is on that.
0: Well, here's the thing, okay? He came out also on Saturday night and said you know ron you ask me questions and i answer them honestly which he does yes yeah. and you know that is don cherry's bread and butter he doesn't hold back so it makes him got good. something to say he's gonna say it yeah now his opinion is just like everybody else's we all got an arsehole so we all got opinions everybody's got them period end of story so don cherry thinks this team isn't going to make it fire well guess what we don't know Yeah. the playoffs are a magic crapshoot of beans all you have to do is qualify for the dance, and who knows what can happen. Do the Maple Leafs have enough skill? Yep. Yes. Do the Maple Leafs have enough defense? Possibly. Maybe. Do the Maple <laughs> Leafs have a world class goaltender that Don Cherry says he is? Absolutely. Yes, they do. What usually wins you rounds in the playoffs? It's I, your goaltender. Yeah. So, what do the Leafs need to do then? They need to make sure Freddie's games are managed. Load management. Unfortunately, Kawhi Leonard made it famous, and the Raptors won a championship because of it. So you need to load manage Freddie's game to keep him fresh throughout the season. So is John Cherry right? Like you said, seven games in. This team could be world beaters and, and win the next whatever amount of games left in the season and almost be perfect, and then lose in the first round like Tampa did. You know, things happen. Do I think this team needs a little bit more sandpaper? Maybe, but can they develop that themselves or find different ways? I mean, their muscle was supposed to be what the power play. Yeah, and we saw it tonight they scored two power play goals. If I'm not wrong, there. So, I don't know, Doug. I can't honestly say I agree or disagree with them because you don't know what's going to happen. If you if we lost tonight, then we'd be saying, you know what? Maybe they're not ready. Maybe they're not going to make it far. But it's the playoffs. Anything can happen. If Toronto had beaten Boston, would Toronto have gone as far as Boston did? Who knows. Yeah. But if we can take the Boston Bruins, the big bag, grind you out, Boston Bruins, two seasons in a row to Game Seven, I think we're okay. Yeah, I think we will be just
1: fine. That's a decent perspective. And every year, Boston's less likely to come out as strong as they did the year before. And I feel like, I've even though I think I've said last, we went on and on and on about the Marlowe Zone. I think we're in a better place now than we were the last two years in terms of the amount of skill on the team and the reliability of our defensemen.
0: There's one thing that I want to talk about here, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this throws up a little flag for me. Helium Mikheyev, Mr. Soupman himself, looks great. Okay, He's on a one-year deal. So if he does really well this year, we all know where the Leafs caps at. No. So what does that mean? What does that mean in trying to get that guy locked down? You know, I see uh, a lovely article over the fact that maybe, you know, Mikheyev, uh, I believe it's from the editor in Leaf, saying that, you know, with Mikhaev's emergence, does that make Zach Hyman expendable? No, it doesn't. Because we don't know what Mikheyev's going to make. And we don't need to worry about that. But here's a little bit of a tidbit that I'll drop for Leafs Nation, just in case you didn't see it. I I was wondering where Mr. Kyle Dubas might have been. Turns out he was over in Russia, looking for the next Ilya Mikheyev, meeting with one Nesterov and Grigorenko. So, I'm wondering if those may be Leafs' targets this summer coming up, as they will both be UFA players, and both maybe want to get their feet back in the North American style of hockey in the NHL, and maybe they'll be willing to sign a one- or two-year deal for dirt cheap, which is what the Leafs need to keep finding and doing. So, wondering, Doug, what you think of Duvis going over to Russia, and looking at these new players and what that may spell for you. I don't want to throw any negativity out there. All I'm saying is Dubas is always a couple steps ahead. So I'm wondering if this is a one-off with McKay or is Hyman expendable and we keep McKay. What do you think?
1: Uh, I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't think Hyman is expendable. I think he might be one of the highest value players on the Leafs in terms of salary versus what we get for that salary. Um, He's dem- The lack of Hyman has demonstrated exactly what he does for this hockey team. Even if you think he no longer has a spot, which I don't think either one of us do, and we think that uh, Moore is now permanent. But let's say you do think that. Hyman still has a spot on this team. Hyman, Nylander, Matthews would be almost as ridiculous as Hyman, Tavares, Marner, all right? Uh, even if somehow uh, you stack those first two lines and you don't ever... you Hyman as a third liner is one of the best would be one of the best third liners in the league. Hyman has a spot on this hockey team. So this, I don't think this is a matter of Mikheyev versus Hyman. Uh, I know that it, I say that with 80, what, uh, 75 games left to go in the season and, a, and, uh, a potentially the playoffs, you know, if the Leafs win a Stanley cup this year, this discussion is just not going to be relevant or at least not as relevant. Um, I don't even know how Leafs nation would handle something like that uh if we go to the in, to Stanley Cup finals even never mind even winning the whole damn thing if we go to the finals Leafs, I don't I have no idea how Leafs Nation will react because it's been so long since that happened um that just I, I don't think that you can jump to conclusions about what if like you know what if Mikheyev busts out this year breaks out scores 25 30 goals gets 20 30 assists you know like then what do you do right? uh and then you look at then you maybe you are looking at Hyman, so I think it's it's way too early to tell with Mikhaev. um one of the most important things that you can't gauge, even if uh he goes through half a season and and just is absolutely ridiculous, you can't gauge his longevity uh we already know Zach Hyman can play with a freaking torn a c l uh we don't know if Mikaev is able or willing to do something like that. There's probably other guys on the list that aren't able or willing to do stuff like that um yeah i I just I like Mikhaev, Don't get me wrong. This is a guy that I think has a spot on this team, but I don't think that you can talk about him replacing Hyman specifically in terms of Dubas going over to Russia. uh, That's like his job. You know, he's, he's a GM. It's his responsibility to make sure he's exploring all avenues. The fact that he went there in person. uh, I agree. It probably says speaks to his intentions, at least a little bit. Um, I like it. I like it. You know, that's what he should be doing there's there's good players i like specifically i like the fact that he went to russia not the european leagues um just because russian style hockey tends to be a little bit grittier than than european style hockey uh i think he it would be easier to find like another ovechkin type guy that's willing to throw mikhayev another you know straight up just use him as an example in this that's willing to throw those checks that's big that's skilled that has good balance on the ice you're, I think you're more likely to get that out of a developed Russian league like the KHL than you are out of some of the European leagues that are still kind of in their infancy. So I agree. There's, there's, there, there's likely something to that. What were the two players that you said he was looking at again?
0: Uh, Mikhail Grigorenko and Nesterov, former NHL players. Uh, one in Grigorenko was a first round former first-round pick of the Buffalo yes. Sabres, last played with the Colorado Avalanche.
1: So, and the... Do you know, like, I don't know, see, I don't know anything about them offhand. Why are they over in the KHL right now and not in the NHL?
0: Um, I, I think, you know, playing time, um, yeah. positions on teams, you know, okay. contracts, different things like that. You know, some players, especially Russian players, unfortunately, they, they view themselves as very high-skilled, very good players. So when they don't get the fit that they want, we all know where they go. So this may be that play right there with Nesterov and Kyrgyz And who knows, maybe on the Leafs they get a, a better shake. But again, you know, with a coach like Babcock or even Sheldon Kiefer, whoever's going to be behind the bench, you have to earn your ice time in Toronto now. It's no longer here's a jersey, get on the ice. You know, we have lots of guys buying for spots. I mean, as Steve Dangle always says, we have about six lines <laughs> that we can roll out there if we need to. So yeah. it's no longer here's a jersey. It's you got to earn a spot. So even if these guys come over with a little bit of fanfare, like a Gregoranko, because obviously a former first round pick and you never know what could happen with a guy on a fresh sheet of ice with a fresh team and a new chance but you got to earn your ice time i think it's good on dubis to go over and look at these things for me it just is wondering you know is this the way we're gonna go and i think it is and i've said this before i think it's gonna be a plug and play you have guys like Tavares, matthews marner on 11 million dollar deals you have to re-sign freddie in two years you have to re-sign riley uh those things are all coming up so i think it's going to be a whole lot of like Pittsburgh did with plug and play of seven to 900 K guys all over the place and wherever you can get them, as long as they can skate and put the puck in the net and you're going to have those guys interchanging out at in and out maybe every year.
1: So looking forward, the Leafs have the Washington capitals. Uh, We're in Washington tomorrow, I believe. And then uh, I think Boston comes to us on Saturday. Uh, And then I think, I think we have a game on Monday too. So kind of a, do we have another two nights i think we have three games and four nights coming up so i'm hold on you i'm just do. gonna pull a schedule up real quickly so we got yeah we got capitals then we got bruins at uh at home on saturday uh blue jackets at home on monday and then we're off again to boston on tuesday bing bang boom um what do you think the Leafs need to do to prepare for these games let's start with uh, the washington game and uh yeah Hutchison's is gonna be net so <laughs>
0: Right. The Washington game is basically contain, 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 which is something the Leafs don't do really well. Um, but you need to contain, obviously, guys like Oshie, Ovechkin, Backstrom, um, Verana lit us up. I don't even know if he's still a capital, but that was a player who lit us up last year. Um, you look at players like Lars Eller, who did lose his wingman to the Florida Panthers in, I believe it was, uh, not Connolly. Uh, I can't remember his name, but he lost his winger. Um to free agency. So that hurt him, but that's another play you got to look out for. And I mean, Washington's Washington, man. Even they have Brayden Holmeyer, the embarrassments are Richmond's or riches in net. Yeah. Because they also have Ilya Samsonov as their backup goaltender, who's yeah. a stellar goaltender, who's won them two games already this year, as well as a two and one record. Um, you know, so whoever's between the pipes, you're in for a tough battle there. Like I said, the Leafs need to contain against the Washington Capitals. Ovechkin shreds the Leafs. He loves playing the Leafs. So, you know, it's not so much stopping them. It's containing them to a point. Cause you're not going to stop Ovechkin all night long, but you have to contain them and allow your guys to be able to do what they do. Bottom six is going to have to come up strong because you know, the top six is going to be defended to hell. So your bottom six has got to play really good. Who knows who draws in and Hutch has got to be Hutch in the clutch, baby. Yep. That's what has to happen. It's certainly, get,
1: it's certainly going to be a test of just how good the Toronto Maple Leafs are right now. Um, I think, I think it'll be, we we'll, we talked a lot about the lack of Hyman on this episode. I think that's going to be highlighted against uh, Washington tomorrow. You need players like that. So this is going to be, I think, I think we will see uh, more in that first line spot. And this is going to be his real test to if he's a capable Hyman replacement. Um, so that's what I'm looking to see out of the game against Washington tomorrow. Specifically, it'd be nice if uh, Hutchison came up with a, with a solid game again, something we've said a lot before on this show is you don't expect your backup goalie to shut out the other team to give up one or two goals. You basically, you're expecting your backup goal, goalie to give up somewhere between two and four goals uh, against Washington. I would probably think that we, he'd give up three or four, maybe even five goals against Washington. If we're going to beat them, we're going to need more than that. And it's not Hutchison's fault. If he does give up, that's your job as a backup goalie is to be decent it's not to be the greatest guy on earth. It's to be good enough to win you, steal you some games there. If your backup goalie has a 500 or just above a 500 record, that's that's all right. You know, that's not great, but that's you can't expect more than that out of a backup goalie. Um, I think some, it was
0: uh, the great Daryl Sutter who said a uh, goal a backup goaltender should be 500. Yeah, should win you at least half the games he starts. Yes. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. If he's above that, then you're laughing. Um, then we got the Bruins, Blue Jackets, Bruins.
0: Um, well, let's let's pause for the cause for a moment there because we are going to be back on Thursday. So okay, how yeah, about we yeah. wrap on the, the Washington game? We yep. will be back Thursday with another episode of Offside Hockey Talk, and we will get into the Boston-Columbus game at that point in time because yeah, obviously idea. we're going to have a lot to unpack for the Washington game, what we talked about here, prediction season will be back again, and also any other news that trickles down, with players maybe getting closer to the lineup and things like that. So don't want to put the uh, the cart before the horse just yet. And jump into talking about a bossing game or anything like Fair that. Because you don't know what could happen tomorrow night. Yeah, really. Especially where we're going to be going to air on Thursday, my friend. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Two <laughs> a week.
1: <laughs> so you're right. James is right. We will be back on Thursday. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit here. I think that's going to do it for us for tonight. Um Again, if you have any questions, you can you can send a send us a reply on Twitter. We're not going to answer them now because you took too long. But if you send them questions on Twitter, we will we'll try to feature them on the show, uh, especially if you have any after the cap. Make sure you follow us at Offside Talk. We will uh, be going live for as many games as we can. We won't be able to do it uh, tomorrow, but uh, you should check out the hashtag Prediction Season videos. James does it before the, the every game day with your your predictions. Uh, we want to take this time right before we go to of course thank our sponsor muskoka spray foam insulation you can visit them to get your house for information about how to get your house i probably probably will insulate your house too i mean that is what they do at msfi.ca uh we are eternally thankful uh to have sponsorship on this show it makes what we do just so much uh more fun more easier to do and, and allows us to to bring stuff like this to you but that is gonna wrap it i'm doug ireland
0: I'm James Roberts. And this is been. Thanks so much for checking everything out.
1: Offside Hockey Talk. Live.